Hello there and welcome to How to Live the Podcast where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts Jess and Steph Dadon. Hi. 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 So can I tell you I have figured out that there is something going on in my life that is a real hindrance to my social life and it is a problem. Um, Are we playing a guessing game now? Um, Your addiction to a TV show? No, but that... Oh, I recently watched Emily in Paris for the first time. It's a great TV show. It's such a good TV show. I was very addicted to it, but it was short enough that that only hindered my social life for one weekend. Okay. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't drink drinks. Oh. So the other day I got introduced to somebody new And they texted me and they were like, hey, I'd love to grab a coffee or go out for a wine one day. And I was like, fun, except I don't drink coffee and I don't drink wine. And then it was Byron. So they were like, oh, or a kombucha. And I was like, I don't drink kombucha. Mm -mm, You don't. It's a problem. So like I like water, but nobody goes out for a water. You also like smoothies and juices. That's true. That's actually a nice, a really nice Byron hang to do with somebody is a smoothie or a juice. Yeah. But I just feel like, you know, the way you catch up with somebody at night for a wine or you catch up with somebody during the day for a coffee. I mean, I like tea. Tea's fine. But I feel like there needs to be something else that we catch up for other than drinks. Why is it always about drinking? Mm, yeah, because catching up for a tea at a cafe, it's just not that fun. No, like I wish the thing was, hey, do you want to catch up for a game of backgammon? Why, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, or like, do you want to catch up for some hot chocolate? I heard this place has really good hot chocolate. Or fries. Do you want to catch up for some fries? Why don't we catch up more over fries? Why is it always coffee or wine? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't drink coffee, but I do drink wine. So I'm okay on the nighttime hangs, not so much during the daytime. I'm more of a tea gal. Although before I actually was sitting with my friends at brunch and we ended up sitting there for so long that I got a long black with oat milk and everyone at the table was so shocked because I don't drink coffee. But you're right. Like we were just sitting there and I felt like I wanted something to hold and sip on. Whoa, I am so shocked. Back up. You got a long black? Oh yeah. So the only type of coffee I like to drink is that Nescafe shit stuff that you drink at your house. Like (laughs) Like the stuff that you stir in. Yeah, instant coffee yum and so it's basically like two teaspoons of coffee with hot water and milk and I really like that so I figured out recently if I get a long black with milk it's similar except today they didn't give me enough milk and I was too embarrassed to ask for more because I need it to be really milky and so I didn't really like it very much isn't a long black quite small uh it's like a shot of coffee with hot water Oh, okay. Yeah, I know nothing about coffee. I'm so not a Melbourneian. Like I put us to shame. Yeah, I mean, hello. I'm over in my house drinking that Nescafe shit. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone that. Yeah, I feel like Melbourne is just going to boot me out. I'll have to come over to Byron and have a smoothie. Yeah, okay. So I guess catch-ups from now on for me, they're smoothies or they're fries. Yeah. I guess a lighthouse walk is always on the cards too. Oh, yeah. Shut up about the lighthouse walk <laughs> that you can just like do that like it's just a thing (laughs) okay I'll be quiet (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so that was a whole tangent, but today we're actually going to be talking about relationships. Ugh, I love talking about relationships. Do you feel like it's weird that we don't get permission from Renan and Elliot to talk about them like this? I feel like I just have full overarching permission from Elliot to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Like anytime I ask him after the fact, I say, oh, we talked about this on the podcast today. I hope that was okay. He's always like, yeah, fuck. I don't fucking care. Oh, I feel like it's not the same for me. I should probably check if there's anything like really bad. So I can just text him mid-episode if we need to. But I do feel like in our group WhatsApp with us and the boys, they always love it when we talk about them. Yeah. So I enjoy talking about relationships so much. The good, the bad, the ugly. Let's do it. So I think the reason I really like talking about relationships so much is to normalize this idea that relationships aren't perfect and to be just totally transparent about what's going on inside of mine feels really honest and like I'm presenting to the world really authentically because there is nothing I like less than inauthenticity. Oh my God, you are so right. I feel like society, that dang society. She's such a bitch. He's such a bitch. True. (laughs) And I feel like we're always made to act like everything's perfect in our relationship. And it's like, who cares? Like, why do we need to make people think? It's so annoying. It's just so other people can feel bad about themselves. That's the only reason we need to do that. Mm, and I want to normalize being in a relationship that isn't amazing all the time. Obviously, if there are intense issues happening in your relationship and you don't feel like you should be in it on some level, then, well, that's good to talk about as well. But I more mean this idea that, Every single human being in a long-term relationship experiences ups and downs and times where they hate their partner or where they're just feeling totally indifferent to their partner or whatever else. That's the shit I want to normalize because I feel like in the past when I've gone through it in silence, I felt really alone and like there was something wrong with me or wrong with my relationship. And now where I'm at is this is what being in a long-term relationship is. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's shit. And just because it's shit doesn't mean I have to always think about leaving because I think that's the trap that I've fallen into in the past where like if we're going through a hard time, in my mind I'm like, ooh, are we not supposed to be together? Oh, same. But since I've accepted that I really genuinely want to be with Elliot, that I want to make this work, it's really allowed me to have the freedom in the moments of shit To not have to also be thinking about, oh shit, is this relationship wrong for me? Well, can I tell you what's really funny? I feel like we both have that thing of leaving and I have a lot of friends that have that as well. And I feel like that's a childhood pattern because it's like if that was what was set as an example for you was somebody was always leaving or going to leave if things weren't good. It's funny that you and I both have that. Mm. And I feel like for other people, it might be just well, I'm never leaving and this is going to be my reality for the rest of my life. So it's really funny how those things get passed down to us from our parents, from the relationship that was first modeled to us and then we end up repeating it. Totally. Yeah, and I guess I can only speak from personal experience, right? And I fall into the category of 
I never want to be stuck in a relationship that I feel like is making me severely unhappy for an extensive period of time or making my partner unhappy for an extensive period of time. So if I thought that it was going down that route, I would be in a different mindset. But because I am now in the place where I think me and Elliot have a beautiful life together and sometimes that life looks like shit, it's okay. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I've gone through the exact same thing. And I think for me, when Renan and I broke up a couple of years ago, when we did get back together, we had this big, incredible experience where because we'd had that time apart as adults and we got to become independent and learn how to live our own lives, we'd gone from being really codependent in the relationship before to having our own experiences. When we came back together, there was just like a newfound respect and an agreement that was unsaid and said and very spoken about that's we'll both be together for as long as it is serving each individual rather than we're together no matter what or one of us is always running away. It's just we are two individual humans and we are choosing to live our lives together because we feel like that gives us a more enriching life, but that we don't have to be so on top of each other. And yeah, that if it's not serving one or both of us in the future, that we won't have to stay together for the sake of it. Not that one of us is going to go running off at a moment's notice or not that we won't try, but that if it's not working, then we don't have to stay together. And there are so many things in that that society tells us aren't okay. Being codependent is normal and that you should do everything with your partner or that you should never leave your partner no matter what because till death do you part. Mm, Yeah. And can I tell you, when I've had this conversation with people, so you and I are both not that interested in marriage and We love exploring this idea of choosing to be together in this moment. And if it's no longer serving us, then we won't be together anymore. And what I have been faced with is people coming at me saying, well, that makes you and your partner feel insecure in your relationship. Like at the drop of a hat, you're going to leave. And like, I'd just like to name that here that you and I have been in relationships now for over nine years give or take. We've broken up with them a couple of times, all for good reasons. Yeah. What's a 10-year relationship without a little breakup here or there? Yeah. But let's just take that off the table because that's something Elliot used to throw at me as well. And it's like, no, I am very committed in this relationship just because I'm saying, well, if this no longer serves me, it doesn't mean tomorrow morning I wake up and I think that and then I'm gone, you know? Like, yeah. It's like not like he burnt your toast. So now you're out the door. Yeah. We're in deeply committed relationships. We're also just deeply committed to this idea of constantly evolving and reassessing when it feels necessary. And deeply committed to self as well, which yeah. is so important. And it's something that people People just don't talk about that much. Yeah. And that idea that you mentioned earlier of not needing to do everything with your partner is such a big thing for me. And this is something that a friend and I were actually discussing the other day. She's in her 20s and dating someone in their 30s. And she was saying how intense she felt it was the way that the guy and their friends were always expected to bring their partners to things. And it was always just like a couple fest. And she was asking me what my experience was like being in a relationship also with a 32 year old. And I was like, oh yeah, they always do couple things. And I'm just like the one that's not there. Not because I don't want to be there, but just because I don't feel like I need to be there all the time and I don't want to be there all the time. Maybe I want to spend some time by myself or want to 
be with my family or be with my own fucking friends. And I feel like that idea of needing to do something with your partner all the time has always shown up in my relationship as a point of angst. Like Elliot comes home and he's like, all the girlfriends were there. And I'm like, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just really enjoy that level of independence. And when I go see my friends, same thing. I don't expect Elliot to come. The invitation is always open if he wants to. But why can't we normalize this idea of just being with our friends because we want to be? Oh my God, this is such a point of tension for me as well because I feel like there's such an expectation that everybody has that your partner is always there. So if Renan or I go somewhere without the other one, then people will be like, where's your partner? And it's like, I don't know, where's my dog? Like I don't bring them everywhere, although I do bring Panther a lot of places, probably more than Renan. But I feel like, yeah, what is this? It's like we all feel like we have to do that and that makes us whole. And I remember being in my 20s and when that started to happen and it sucked. It fucking sucked. It especially sucks for the people that are single. Yeah. Like, I don't want to bring my partner somewhere with my single friends. Oh, that's what sucked. When I was in my 20s, I mean, I was in a relationship with Renan, but I've never really been that person that wants to bring my partner everywhere with me. And I would just want to go hang out with my friends because that's fun. And then there are those people that have to bring their partners everywhere. And it's like, I don't really want to see your partner today. Like, I just wanted to see you. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't want to see your partner. (laughs) But it's like okay to have these one-on-one relationships. It's okay to want to be alone sometimes. So, oh, I love talking about this. I often go and sleep in the other room because I just feel like sleeping alone. Yes. And it is totally a big thing because for Renan, he needs to let go of this idea that in order to be in a happy relationship, we need to be sleeping in the same room every night and that I'm not actually going to sleep in the room because of him. Like it's nothing he's done. It's not because we're in a bad place and he's come such a long way now and we've come such a long way because I wouldn't want to say to him, oh, I want to go sleep in the other room because then he'd get disappointed and I didn't want to disappoint him and we're in this cycle. And we've worked through that and we're in a really great place now where sometimes even we came to Melbourne recently and we stayed at different places. He stayed at our house. I stayed at our mom's house because I wanted to stay at our mom's house and I wanted to stay with the dogs and the cat. And that was really fun for me. And when I told people about that, they'd be like, wait, what? Oh, is everything okay? And I'd be like, yeah. I'm just staying here and he's just staying there. Like, it's not a big deal. Mm, Yeah, like, it's not a reflection on your relationship. And I think that that's the funny thing, that when we hear about those things, we look at them and we judge them from a place of, oh, I wonder if not everything is okay. Like, maybe they're in a bad place. But in reality, like, can't we all relate to that idea of just wanting a little bit of alone time? But we shame ourselves into not giving ourselves that alone time because of this idea that we're trying to uphold a perfect relationship where you sleep in your bed with your partner because that's just something you do. Mm. Oh, I have a friend who was saying to me that her and her partner sleep apart most nights now because they just have a better sleep that way. She was like, we snuggle and then we go into our own rooms. And it's like, that's totally fine. I feel like when we're growing up, you'd hear about that couple that slept in different rooms, you know, like house of cards style. And it was like, oh, they have a terrible relationship. And it's like, maybe. I don't really care if people think I have a bad relationship. I'm doing what works for me. And there's something so freeing and authentic about just doing what actually works for you and starting to notice when there are these things that come up that it's like, 
I feel like we should be doing that because that's what society has told us. And Renan and I had to do a lot of work around that to actually recognize where these things were coming from and they weren't just about us and what we wanted. Yeah, which they so rarely are, right? Yeah. Yeah, something else that has been really liberating for me within my relationship is this idea that we go through cycles in our relationship, which is something I learned about when I did that conscious relationship course earlier in the year with Kat and Tully. It's called Ignite. And it was this idea that every relationship goes through a honeymoon phase and then a tense phase and an indifferent phase. I can't really remember in what order it goes through, but it's this constant cycle you're experiencing where it's like that honeymoon phase that's like really driven by hormones and you're like probably having a lot of sex and really into each other and super affectionate. And then you just like move into another phase and then you move into the next phase and then you move back into your honeymoon phase and not to be too attached to one phase, not value the honeymoon phase and be like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I want us to stay here forever because it kind of gives you the knowledge to know, oh, well, we'll be back here eventually, but inevitably we will move into the next phase of our relationship. Whether or not we do anything about it, ultimately we will be there. The hormones die down depending on what point in the cycle you're at. Can I tell you what's weird? What? It really grosses me out when people talk about hormones. Why is that? I have no idea. Does that not gross you out? Hormones. No. Whoa, that's really something I've got to dive deep in with myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I feel like it's just allowed me, especially in the moments where I feel like me and smells aren't great. I call Elliot smells. Not sure if we've covered that on the podcast. When we're not great, I feel like I used to beat myself up about it and ask myself why and then try and fix it. And I feel like with the knowledge that relationships are just cyclical and we're constantly meeting these different cycles over and over and over again it's allowed me to just be in what is rather than try and change things yeah and sometimes actually it happens to my detriment where now I'm like oh well smells were just a bit shit at the moment and like stuff's good and then like two months will go by and I'm like oh no (laughs) she'll probably make more of an effort or like sit down to create some emotional intimacy but I feel like it is really liberating to know about these cycles because Everyone goes through them and your relationship is not special. The fact that you feel like you go through these things or you notice that you're doing these things, it's pretty the same if you're in a long-term relationship and you go through this sort of shit. It just happens. Oh, totally. I love that because I often feel like if I'm in that bad place, I'm like, oh no, what's happened? But it's like to just accept that, okay, it's not that bad. Obviously, if it gets really bad, then you do something about it. But when you're just not super connected, that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like life is busy and shit happens and you don't always have to be investing in your relationship every minute of the day. You feel like you can give more space to it when life is a bit less busy or whatever. Something actually, though, that's been really helpful for me and Smells is that because we did notice we were getting ourselves into this routine of really life being busy and forgetting to check in with each other and we weren't really creating emotional intimacy we were spending time at home on the couch watching the OC but we were still feeling disconnected from each other Mm. and I think it was really because we weren't taking the time to sit down and check in and be really open and vulnerable with each other you know we'd update each other about our days but more in a way that we were complaining at each other and it wasn't really 
very conscious and very intentional. And so we've actually implemented a weekly check-in in our relationship where every Sunday for about an hour we come together and we take time to discuss what's working and what we feel grateful for and then some things that have happened that week or just in general that we're not that happy with or that we feel like we need more of something and since we've taken the time to do that it's honestly been so beneficial like we feel so much more connected even when we are going through the other phases where things are a bit more tense we're still ultimately in that really open-hearted place with each other and that's something that when we sit down I let him talk and I listen and then at the end I might give feedback and then I talk while he listens and then at the end we might give feedback. So it's not like a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because then I feel like we might start to argue or make excuses or things like that. It's really just sitting on your hands and listening wholeheartedly to the other person and honestly allowing him to share with me in that way makes me love him so much more because I just really appreciate that he's going there with me and opening up to me in a way that I know he doesn't with a lot of other people. And I find it so nourishing. Mm, It's so powerful. Even just what you said, the listening, the deep listening, we don't really create space to do that for each other that much. And there's so something in that, that you actually take the time to listen to each other without responding. Mm is just it feels for the person sharing just really you feel heard and you feel seen in a way that often we just accidentally don't really get out of our relationships when they start to slide. Yeah, and there is just one more point I'd love to make about that as well is I mentioned that he goes first and I think that it's really important to have the awareness to know in your relationship if you're the one that talks way more, which I am, I'm like the biggest oversharer and he struggles, that It's really important, I think, in that time that I let him go first and that he tells me how he feels and what's going on in our relationship for him and that I'm able to play that listening role because I think, if I'm honest, for a lot of other times throughout the week, he's my listener because I just like love to talk. Yes, agreed. That is so important. I also am the talker in my relationship. So it is really nice to create that space for the other person and Ro and I really got off track with all of our stuff. And in the last couple of months, up until a few weeks ago, we just like weren't aligning. We weren't connecting. We were arguing a lot. And we've really found our way back to each other. Maybe it's just part of the cycle, but I think we were really, really off. And now we're back in the cycle at least. And we've been in such a good place for the last week that when we're in a good place, we're very lucky that we have quite a lot of downtime in Byron. We're away from everybody. So often we'll make it a priority when we're going through in a good place to actually do this kind of a check-in every night, just a little one. And we set an intention to sit down and have dinner together. And even if we're going to end up watching TV, we still just sit down and start it with like a little feelings check-in in a really similar way. But something that's been really great is that I've been in Melbourne for the last few days and he's been in Byron and we set the intention to call each other and do this check-in, but inevitably you don't end up with all the time that you thought you would have. So what we've started doing just organically is we just text each other our feelings check for the day at the end of the day. And it literally takes me 
30 seconds a minute to just write down how I was feeling. And it is predominantly how I'm feeling rather than the things that happened. Because I think when we do talk about our days, they usually do end up being like, oh, I went here and I went there. But actually hone in on the emotions. What were the emotions that you felt? And so we've just been texting this to each other and we don't even respond. We just write back being like, oh, awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And it's been really amazing as a way to just check in with your partner on how they're actually feeling. Because sometimes we don't actually know how each other is feeling and then weeks go by and you start to get frustrated with them because you don't actually have an insight that oh actually they've been really stressed out so it's nice to have this constant check-in of how we're feeling and also been a really nice way to check in with how we're feeling within ourselves and Renan actually said to me yesterday wow I've really noticed through doing this feelings check that we've been doing how transient emotions are and how much within one day, I have all of these different feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool to actually realize when you start to track your feelings in this way, oh, I'll be feeling great and shit and amazing all in the one day. And it just kind of creates less of an attachment to how we're feeling and feeling bogged down by those. Yeah, I love that you guys do that. I feel like maybe that was where we based our check-in off of because we knew you guys did a daily check-in. But also we wanted ours to be really relationship focused and it feels like a lot to be checking in with each other every single day about your relationship. Totally. A little bit much. How is it today? Yeah. And often I feel like we don't know the emotions that we're feeling. And so, again, this can be a really great practice to actually go there and figure out your emotions. And, you know, there's that wheel of emotions. If you just Google it, it comes up with a whole array of emotions and that way you can read them all and it can really help you to start to identify okay, what am I feeling in these moments? Yeah, absolutely. And something actually that I bought recently was the couple's workbook by the School of Life for me and Elliot and actually bought one for you and Renan, but I haven't given it to you yet. Ooh, fun. I love a workbook. Yeah, and it's essentially, I think the byline of the book is homework to help love last. And I just love the idea that we need to work at love lasting and it does not last if you don't do work. Mm. So that's also something that we haven't dived into yet. We've done like the first activity in the book. Actually, that was our homework this week from our last week's check-in. But highly recommend that you check it out because I feel like it just also sparks really meaningful conversation within your relationship. And when you are just spending time together and going through the motions of life, even though you might be talking to your partner on a regular basis, it's very rarely super meaningful chat. It might be about scenarios that are happening that are really intense that you guys need to talk about, but it's not juicy conversation for the sake of juicy conversation. And I think that in my experience with smells, when we're having those juicier conversations, that's when I feel really connected to him and when I feel really seen as well. Yeah, I feel like that's so true. It's just the way that we need to do our self-work in order to be healthy, happy humans. We also need to do our relationship work in order to have healthy, happy relationships. And I feel like that's all part of the 
stigma around, oh, well, if you're doing the therapy, there must be things wrong. But it's like, no, actually, we're doing the therapy so that things can be amazing. Yeah. And I feel like I had this thing when Elliot and I were going into the couple's course that I felt like in a heterosexual relationship, it was always the female, you know, kind of dragging the male to therapy or saying to the male, you know, come on, we should really do this. And I found it really triggering that actually that dynamic was showing up a lot in the course that we were doing. Like in most instances, it felt like the woman was the one bringing their partner to the course. And It's really hard, I think, when you don't have a partner who wants to get down and actually work on things. Yes, agreed. And I feel like something that can be really helpful to start to open this stuff up is by starting on your own self-work. And I know so many women who have started their own self-work and that it's ultimately led to their partner making shifts in themselves. And actually, I know gay couples as well, where one of the person has been more driven in this stuff and the other person has followed. And they actually said something on my meditation retreat recently that really landed for me is that nobody wants a Buddhist, but everyone wants a Buddha. So it's like, no one wants to be fucking preached at. No one wants to be told, oh, if you did this thing, you'd be better. But by embodying it yourself, and ultimately we are the only people that we have control over is ourselves, by starting to embody this work on our own, it inevitably has a shift on those around us and they become attracted to it. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. Because I remember when I was deep in my self-work journey at the beginning and I thought to myself how the fuck are Elliot and I going to be able to be together in the future if I am now so hooked and committed to this journey of constant evolution and it's just not going to work with me being with someone who isn't on a similar journey or doesn't see value in that and if you would have asked me then do you ever think Elliot would be able to join that path? I would have said no. I would have said absolutely not. He couldn't be less interested. He doesn't have the capacity for it, just won't be enthusiastic about it. And actually over time, it wasn't overnight, he started to get more and more interested. I guess I would say probably from noticing the shift within me and the way that I was changing to the way I was reacting to things and you know even finding small joys in my day where I wasn't before or being more cup half full rather than empty when I thought I would never be that person I feel like by him witnessing me go through that transformation it made him reflect on his own life and wonder if he was also able to make that transformation not from me telling him he must or saying the words but by him witnessing it within me and then wanting that for himself. Exactly, because you weren't a Buddhist, you were a Buddha. Yeah, I might have been a bit of a Buddhist. Like, I I might have. <laughs> I might have said to him in moments of frustration, you know, I really want to be with someone who's also on a self-work journey. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but ultimately that's not what led him to go and do it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't my best self those days. <laughs> and another book that I absolutely love that Renan and I have both actually read together that has been really helpful for me in reframing the way I think about a relationship and kind of touches on a lot of what we've talked about today is called How to Be an Adult in Relationships by David Richo. 
just super, super helpful. And the biggest takeaway for me that I got out of that was that he talks about how we feel like 100% of our happiness needs to come from our partner or a lot, like 90%. And I think a lot of us aren't even aware of how much subliminally we feel like our happiness needs to come from a partner. And he talks about how actually 25% of your happiness coming from your partner is a healthy thing. So Renette and I often refer to each other as our 25%. (laughs) And it's a really nice reminder because when one of us is in a shit place and we're kind of like putting it on the other one, which I think is so common, you know, it's your fault. You doing all these things is making me not happy. If we're actually going and doing our own work first, then we've already got that 75% minimum. I think we can all be 100% happy on our own. And I think through self-work, we totally can be. It's just kind of like the icing on the cake is if you have a beautiful partner to share it with, but by not putting that pressure on them and putting that load on them that they need to be something in order for you to be happy, when you take that off, that actually creates their foundation for a really beautiful relationship together. And if you're single, even better, because by doing all of this work, rather than needing a partner to fulfill you, eventually if you do find a partner and you're in a really solid place, then it's just a bonus. Mm, Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you've learned something new, had a bit of a laugh, had a bit of a thought about it. And if you do have anything to share, we'll be chatting about this episode as we always do in our Facebook group. It is How to Live the Podcast. We don't bombard you with posts. We just do a wee little post every week to discuss the episode. So if you haven't joined yet, definitely come over and do. And if you have, come hang out again. We love to see you there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a beautiful rest of your day and we'll see you right here next week for another chat. See you then. Na 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 na